Well, big surprise, Matt and Hunter refuse to give you any information or a strategy guide on the Yin Brotherhood. Well, you know what? I see that as an advantage because their advice is so bad anyway. This is Jada Paik, and I'm here to take over the podcast and give you some really good advice on how to win every single game with the Yin Brotherhood. It's really simple. Step one, take diplomacy. Diplomacy your homeworld every single time, and then no one can attack you. Take diplomacy, put it on your homeworld, make everyone else put their command counters on your homeworld, and then there's nothing they can do to you. Step two, get mage and defense grid. Why? It's easy. You want to rush Majin because if someone does warfare and take away a command counter just so they can attack your homeworld, boom, you've got Majin to defend you. Simple. Step three, pass. You don't need to take any turns. It's easy. Take your command counters, put them in your fleet pool, because what you're going to do is build off the secondary warfare until you have the most massive pile of plastic on your homeworld as possible. No one will attack you. There's nothing anyone can do to you. It's really easy. Then, when it's round six or seven, you're going to explode out across the galaxy and take over the entire board. It's that easy. You will win every single time with this strategy. So, to repeat, diplomacy, Majin, pass. That's your key to victory. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, no, no, no. That that can't stand. I don't know how Jadapek got in here into our uh, what expensive was that? How did that, recording How did that studio. get on the feed? I know. How I don't did that understand get into it either. Feed? Uh, he is a mythical being that somehow has access to recording files that we can attach ourselves to. I don't know. I don't really know the mythos we're trying to establish right here, but it doesn't matter. Whatever Jadapek was just doing is is not cool. And um, I, I don't, I don't know that I can stand by uh, the, you know, all of our thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners. Yeah, uh, thousands. I, I don't see how we can allow them to think that diplomacy into Majin into pass is an okay strategy. Uh, that is certainly not something we recommend. And right, um, we t- we told you what we recommend. Right, they're bad. Right, but if we if we have to, if that's going to be the only other thing that goes on record, then I guess maybe we'll we'll. Let's put this thing to rest, Hunter. What do you say? And let's let's do our absolute best to give something. I don't know something that that can maybe actually get you to play a decent game as the Yin Brotherhood. Are you saying that we're gonna have to do another Yin Brotherhood first yes. round strategy That's guide? Right. That's right. The people wanted one guide, and we are so benevolent that we decided to give them two. Oh my God! Wow! And then like. Could it play the music now? Like, like we cold opened. This is Space Cat's Death Clones, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode Blobbity Blah, first round strategies of the Yin Brotherhood, featuring the one and only Jada Paik. Music by Ben Prunty. Okay, here we are. We're doing we're doing a real yin guide. Um, we have real things to say about them. Uh, but before we do that, Hunter, where are you? You're not sitting next to me. What's right. going on here? 
while I'm at home in, and I'm not wearing pants, baby, and I'm in my room, and I'm afraid, I hope the trucks don't get, I hope this isn't- Get in the 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 Brotherhood recording. Yeah, I hope hope this isn't Space Cats, Peace Turtles, episode 30, whatever, Yin Brotherhood featuring trucks. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, it might be. I'm at my childhood bedroom. Um, wow! In good old Arkansas, I'm recording. Uh, do you do you the, feel like you have my really parents gone, renovated? Have you? What? Do you feel like you haven't really gone that far? Oh, absolutely. Do, do you feel that uh, sense of like, wow, I have not really. I still you know. wear exclusively Old Navy clothes, yeah. and that's here I am pretending to be an adult with a podcast. Uh, so yeah, we're recording uh, separately. I'm visiting home. It's fun, uh, and this is this is a first for Hunter and I. I think, right? We haven't ever recorded an episode completely separately, have we? No, no, we never I have. We've never. I don't done get it. to look at your stupid face. I can actually just like focus. Yeah, I can touch whatever I want while I'm recording. <laughs> well, don't touch the microphone. I, w- I won't. Okay. All right. Well, that's like that's like the last thing I want to touch in here. Oh. <laughs> On a list of so many touchable things. If I did a list of all the things I'd touch in my room right now. What's, what is sixth on the list of things you want to touch? Um, my fan, because it's got all this dust on it and I need to clean it. Because <laughs> well, it's getting hot in Portland, and so I've been dude, bringing my fan so out. it's so hot in Arkansas. Yeah. Don't even start with me. It is so incredibly hot. It's hot here. Uh, it's a little bit hot. Like It's like 80 degrees. Good. Yeah, it's like I can't. If I wear my sweater, it'll get too hot. <laughs> I do want to talk about the Yin Brotherhood, and I want to put some things. I want to set the record straight. You like them, don't you? That's what it is. You like them. You're, you know what? Okay, uh, Matt here, here and Yin sitting in a tree. <laughs> it, at the end of the day, I think I tweeted this or I said it on the Discord. Um, what sucks about the Yin Brotherhood is they are just like a hundred percent my style, right? Like right. What what I discovered you are supposed to do as the Yin Brotherhood is like, that's how I try to play every single faction. And there's lots of factions it doesn't work with. And with the Yin Brotherhood, well, I won two Yin Brotherhood games in a row. Yeah. Um, so there's something there. Um, I'm sick so yeah, of it. I, I gel with the Yin really hard. And uh, I, I want to put the our old complaints i want to i want to put them in a new light i want to kind of change your frame of reference so if you've been listening to the show and you kind of know what we think about the yin brotherhood it's it's this it's that devotion is an ability that kills your own units and yes of course the goal is to gain some economic advantage but it doesn't score you any points and so all you're doing is taking losses and kneecapping someone else right that has kind of been our storyline with yin is they're not very good at Succeeding, they're only good at stopping someone else from succeeding. Right, and that is a fun like that. They're very good at that, but they're they're not. That doesn't win you any games. Um, the new way I want you to think about the Yin Brotherhood is all of their abilities are defensive more than anything else. So think about them in a way you would think about most any other defensive race there's going to be some some strange caveats there but you are better at being attacked than you are at attacking but matt what are their abilities i'm just a little baby space cat and i don't know what they are and you have to tell me because that's that's the point of the podcast well do you want to do theme first 
Um, I feel like the theme of the Yin Brotherhood has exceeded the faction sheet, and now there is this, like, community theme. Yeah, whatever the the theme... They're the only theme that has transcended whatever they were supposed to be. Yeah, they're the only theme that uh, whatever is on the back of the sheet, that isn't the theme anymore. Right. Basically. I think some people try to keep it connected to that, but the theme of the Yin Brotherhood is there's a bunch of people on Reddit and BoardGameGeek that are... Uh, desperately attached to them and they are trying to get everybody else on board the most famous of which being our infiltrator Jada Paik and uh, he is he's the true leader in, of the Yin Brotherhood and uh, they drive a huge van around uh, uh, on a cross country road trip uh, and it's just like a hoot and a half, you know. All the all your favorite comedy stars are there on this sweet road trip movie. Zach Galifianakis. Who else? I, I I mean I I think maybe just Zach sounds good. You yeah. Know? Maybe it's just well, it's a, a bunch of clones of Zach Galifianakis. No, 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 no. Stop, stop. Just give me a movie <laughs> with Zach, old Zach G, driving uh-huh. around in a big van by himself. Uh huh. That's the road and, trip movie I want to see. And hanging, you, you hanging can indoctrinate me into that movie. <laughs> hanging from the mirror is that stupid picture of you. With Zach Galifianakis from high school. Ooh, yeah, we should bring that. Yeah, post that. We should bring that up. (laughs) Just post that on the Twitter for everyone. Yeah, I met Zach when I was but a but a boy, but a child, (laughs) and he gave me. He wasn't in movies yet, or he had only been an out cold and bubble boy. Right. So no movies to his name. No movies. Uh, (laughs) And he gave me a weird side hug, and he didn't want to do it. And he he didn't. He really hated it because you were wearing a super nerdy shirt. Yep. He was thinking about how much of a loser he is while he was getting his picture taken with me. He was like, "I this is not what I set out to do is to side hug these like weeaboo boys with their <laughs> stupid anime probably sw- shirts, even though it wasn't an anime shirt, but he probably a, thought it was." Right. Okay, Yin Brotherhood. Theme done. Check. <laughs> yeah, that very good, Matt. <laughs> uh, they they have two abilities that we have lambasted in the past. Actually, we've only lambasted one of them. I have always been in favor of this ability: indoctrination. At the start of a ground combat, you may spend two influence to replace one of your opponent's participating infantry with one infantry from your reinforcements. This is All crazy right. good. You're, you, I mean, it, it, the cost of two influence can be inconvenient, um, but it is not a hefty cost compared to what it used to be. It used to be like an exhaust. I don't even remember. I, I, it's not an ability I use very often with old yin, but this two influence is not that bad. I can spend in two influence to completely turn the tides of ground combat, right? Right. The big the big thing to note here is, and we've kind of brought this up before, like the reason why we like upgrading infantry with a lot of factions. Ground combat is a, is a gauntlet, like a brutal, brutal game. Space combat, there's so many different ships with all these different numbers you could be rolling, and it kind of, the odds kind of go all over the place. But ground combat is such a simpler thing. Having one extra ground force on somebody else can completely flip the odds of your favor and and the fact is indoctrination doesn't gain lets you gain one ground force it technically lets you gain two ground forces it's like adding two ground forces to the combat because you take one away from them and you add one to yours so it changes your odds i mean in an an insane amount and it is very 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 good i really Uh, like this ability i always really liked it i think it's weird that it's the influence 
Like, how many abilities are there where you spend to you spend influence? Some influence? Like, yeah, like it's that, very... it feels like a weird kind of leftover thing, but I still, yeah. I'm into it, you know? Yeah, it, and it's, it's, yeah, it's so good, and I will never fault the yin for this amazing ability. Um, the second ability, though, is devotion, and this is the one I've always had a problem with. After each space battle round, you may destroy one of your cruisers or destroyers to produce one hit and assign it to one of your opponent's ships. Now, there are really great parts of this ability, and I'm going to talk about later the ways in which I do think this ability is very good. But I think that I, I want to give hesitation because I think people read that and go, I can kill a one-cost unit and snipe a three-cost carrier carrying some ground forces and fighters, and it's super easy. Holy cow, look how, look how good of a job I did. Right. But it really is not as simple as that because, first off, your destroyer has to survive, so you're either adding destroyers to already existing fleets with the sole purpose of destroying them to hopefully score some convenient hits... But basically, my end point, and we'll talk about this more later, is Devotion is, a, is not a good offensive ability, but it is very good defensively. And you should not think about using it offensively. I have not once found a good opportunity to use it offensively, but I found multiple times when having some destroyers in my pie slice was very useful because I was better able to defend my planets. Mm -hmm. So uh, they've also got the huge van, the Van Haug. Uh, their flagship is is really weird, um, and I have I. It's another thing I have hard. I have a weird relationship with. But when this ship is destroyed, destroy all ships in this system. That includes your own, and that includes all of their ships. Every single ship dies. The important thing there is that means you can't accomplish anything with the Van Haug, objective wise. There's a there's there's even a. Um, an objective that is win a battle with your flagship, but your flagship has to survive. And the 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 other important notes with the Van Haug is it's two on a nine. Like it's a bad ship outside of this crazy ability, but that means if you're doing anything with it, it is purely by happenstance. It is sort of a big ship wasting some fleet supply and maybe it doesn't kill everything, but it's sort of kind of like a, um, it's the gun on the table, like we said before. Right, it's, right. You know, you, you, you can, at, at the very least, they, they won't get off cheaply by attacking you or something. But right. again, same situation. It's very good defensively. Uh, you put it in your home system or you put it on somewhere you need nobody to invade. And not only would people lose all their stuff if they attacked you, but because of that, they just don't attack you because what would be the point? Because then someone else would be allowed to just swoop in and take the planets before you're able to because you activated the system and blew all your stuff up. Right. So again horrible offensively but very very good defensively and so the struggle with yen brotherhood is going to be well how do you win a game where you're primarily playing defensively I don't and know. uh yeah it's, it's really hard turns out uh so their first faction tech is called yen spinner uh it requires a two green um, after one or more of your units use production, place one infantry from your reinforcements on a planet you control in that system. Well, it's essentially like a little... It's like that Muat tech, right? Uh, yeah, oh, I guess so, sort, sort of. of. I, but you're getting an... Inf I mean, it's like it's, it's like extra Sarween, I feel like, because a lot of times people yeah. use Sarween to just tack on like some one ground or forces. Infantry. or it. Yeah, or if you're just like trying to... like 
build something on the cheap, I guess, is the other reason. But, the, you know, right. I feel like it's kind of similar to that. Um, the yeah. other tech is called Impulse Core. Uh, requires a two yellow at the start of a space combat you may destroy one of your cruisers or destroyers in the active system to produce one hit against your opponent's ships that hit must be assigned by your opponent to one of his non-fighter ships if able so it's sort of an an impulse course sort of an inversion of devotion where you get to do it at the start of combat you get to pre-fire this kill one of your units to hit one of theirs but this time you don't get to assign it um the way I think about these two faction techs is I see almost no situation ever where you would need impulse core, except for you have the secret objective own two faction technology. Right. There's just very few uses for it. It's really never going to be worth it because because you're not assigning the hit, sacrificing your own destroyer for them to probably kill their own like destroyer. It's just like that is not cost effective at all, especially since you had to go and get that tech in the first place to even be able to do that bad ability. It's just out of your way. It's also, also just you double downing on a, an ability that you already have. Like it doesn't right. feel like a new, another thing to help them along, which they could really use. Right. And it's important to note, impulse core requires two yellow. What's the other tech that requires two yellow? Transit, Transit diodes. Transit diodes. And guess what? Transit diodes helps ground forces a lot. And guess what you're really good with? Ground forces. Yeah. So... If you're going to get a two yellow tech, don't get impulse core, get transit diodes. It would be great and if it was like one yellow and you could use it to like skip graviton. That would be, right. that would, that I, would think be make I would get it, it every time. Yeah, I would totally get it if it was just a graviton skip. It's also sort of sure. like graviton, like why not? Hey, why not let it be a replacement? Right. Um the other tech yin spinner, it's really just not efficient. Like you just it's not that big of a deal. Again, I really would only get it if I needed to get both of my faction tech. It is better than impulse core. Mm-hmm. And because ground forces are so good, getting one extra infantry isn't that bad. But again, it's only when you're using production. So it's like, what, this is maybe worth one or two extra infantry around. Arborek is supposed to get that already. Like, a, inf- you know, Arborek gets one infantry at the end of the status or the start of the status phase every round. And they get to do it without getting a tech. So it just isn't really there's better tech you could be getting i would say yin spinner isn't a horrible tech but there's more important tech on your docket Mm -hmm. so the end result is i don't think you pretty much ever get any of your faction tech as the yin brotherhood but what's going to be funny is you are still going to go down yellow green You're, you're you will always have the option to get your faction technology with the way i think you should be playing yin but you're not going to get it so we'll see we'll see how that pans out for you um Hunter, what is their promissory note? All right, so the promissory note is called Greyfire Mutagen. Mutagen? Mutagen. Who cares? After a system is activated, <laughs> as, after a system is activated, the end player cannot use faction abilities or faction technology. Wow, that too? During this tactical action. Then return this card to the end player. It's essentially a, I may not destroy your ships with my blow-up abilities. Yeah, I'm not going to use Devotion, and I'm not going to use Indoctrinate on right. you. Right. This is such a weird one. I, I really feel really... The thing about are you gonna do it? Are, are you gonna say that you shouldn't give it out and then us well, get no, trampled? That's not that's not <laughs> what I'm gonna say. What I'm gonna say is I haven't found very many players who even care about getting it. Right. Like it's just not worth that much to other players. You're not gonna be able to like at best you're maybe attaching it to some other trade to sweeten the pot. Like they're not willing to do a three for three with you. So you're like I'll throw gray fire mutagen in there. You're across the map or something. Like, we're barely adjacent or this is the agenda phase or something. But, like, I never ended up giving it out because it it doesn't cost you that much. But 
I don't know. It's just like it's not that good. It's not that important for anyone to have. It's not gaining yeah. them any resources. It can only be used against you. Right. You can be a third party and use it, right? I can give it to somebody else, and then I attack a, a, a new person, and that person I gave it to can use it against me. And so, like, why would you want that out there? Like, someone at some point could just screw you over. You should maybe try and sell it to somebody who might sell it to somebody else later. Right. In I a, mean, yeah. But you're then just, it's, like, like going to get sold. I don't know. It's What sucks is I think it is more costly to you than anything you're ever going to get for it. Right. Is the problem. It's not worth very much to most players. And when it does get used against you, it's going to cost you a lot more than you ever gained for having given it out. It, I know right. none of the promissory notes work like this, but I feel like the only way that it could be worth it is if it also included, like, the huge van's blow-up ability. Yeah, exactly. Like, if, if, if it if, would, like, neutralize that, like, make it where, like, even if the van, the huge van blows up, it doesn't matter. It won't kill you. Uh, right. That would be cool. Not, that's completely outside of how Not any how of these work. Yeah, so but it's like... I just think you'll have a lot of trouble getting it into anybody's hands for a cost that makes any sense. Because you shouldn't just be giving it out for free or like one trade good because it, it can hurt you. Um, and so, so someone... we, are, we are inviting the anecdote, though. Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> give, give us times invited. What, yeah. Send it Let us on know over. If used We've it. got a I spot can't... in the email waiting for you <laughs> with your name on it, you lucky so-and-so. The, uh, the first person to give us a suggestion on how to use Grey Fire Mutagen that is real... You just earned yourself a it spot. W- in it will rata. happen. It has never not happened. Every time right. we have invited, <laughs> yeah. every time we've invited the anecdote, it has appeared. Um, okay, let's talk about their start. Uh, starting tech, uh, it, Sarween tools. That's a pretty good tech, I hear. That's a, if you're only going to start. Okay, as far as all the factions that only start with one tech, it's a pretty great one to start with. Yeah, I mean, it we is. talk about the, va- the the race between Sarween and Neural, and starting with Sarween is pretty great, especially considering you want to be able to pump out ground forces. So from the get go, you can always drop two ground forces for free. Right. That's great. That's super handy. Uh, it makes our first round kind of easy too, because to a certain extent, we maybe don't need to build anything else, and we can just get two extra ground forces for free, and that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, they also start, like we said earlier, two C4I, two carriers, four infantry, one destroyer, and four fighters. Yeah. Um, it's a super solid start. I mean, honestly, it is. Like, it's, it is kind of everything you need. I wouldn't mind a cruiser instead of a destroyer, but a destroyer is great for Yin Brotherhood because at the very least, um, here's how you should think about destroyers with the Yin Brotherhood. They are defensive units. Honestly, I compare them to you start with dimensional splicers, the Ghost of Creus tech that lets you score a hit mm-hmm. in a s- system with a uh, wormhole. Um, you can kind of think of your pie slice as everything's got a wormhole as long as there's a destroyer there. Like, pop a destroyer and everywhere that you've got stuff that you want defended, have your other fleets too, but one destroyer will keep you from being kind of easily attacked. And the, and the reason I want you to think about it that way is, and a lot of people will point this out, I just don't think of it as an aggressive thing, I think of it as a defensive thing. If you keep a destroyer parked above every single planet, anyone who attacks you is basically required to bring two carriers instead of one to try to invade your planet. Right. And if you leave a ground force, ground force or two on every planet, they need to bring lots of ground forces and multiple carriers, and it ends up being really difficult to invade you because who wants to send 
like two carriers and then two other ships. No, everyone always wants to bring one carrier and the dreadnought and stuff, you know, whatever. But if you if you have a destroyer, they are required to bring more stuff than they ever wanted to bring just to take one or two planets from you. So you're you're just your devotion is only ever used when someone was trying to snipe one of your planets and they brought one carrier, one cruiser early game, and you say, well, I have a destroyer sitting here, so you can go for that attack, but as long as we survive one round of combat, your carrier's going to die, and all the ground forces are going to die with it. It's almost more about the threat, basically. Yeah. Well, and that, so what happened with me in a lot of my games was people weren't really thinking through that enough, so they would go through with the attack and then see how badly it would go for them. And so obviously the metagame will shift to, as people realize how hard it is to get to the ground combat and then still not lose the ground combat, they just won't attack you, right? So you become a sort of extra kingdom or federation of soul where it's like your stuff is so hard to dig into that people just won't waste their time. Right. And that means you'll be able to set up a really solid pie slice. Right. Well, I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Can we get yes. to, let's talk yeah. about the home system before we yes. get into the nitty gritty. Uh, it's the only system in the game? There's one other planet, and I'm not remembering which one. It's, it's basically the only planet that changed numerical values from TI3. It used to be a 4-2, and now it's a 4-4, which uh, I think is good. It's fine. Uh, I've seen other people point out it would have been a lot better if they'd had the 4-2 and then gained another planet that was like a 0-2, because we'll talk about that later, but you're going to want a 0-2 or a 1-2. Right. But 4-4 is fine, whatever. I mean, it, it kind of stinks to... Uh, like, let's say you want to take Mechatol Rex and you're going to need to spend six influence. A lot of times, if you're doing it early, you're going to be using your home planet to do that, which means you're losing four resources. I kind of don't love any planet that is equal number resources and influence. Yeah. Because that's basically what trade goods are, right? Trade goods are one and one. It can either be an influence or it can be one resource. And so when you spend a trade good, you're burning whatever else you could have been spending it on. So yeah, when you spend Darien, you're you're missing out on the influence that you could have had. But it's still, yeah. it's fine. It's great for production, six production to start with. It's better than it being like a four two. I mean, it's better than a lot of home systems. It is, let's, it let's, absolutely is. Let's be fair there. Yeah, uh, so, so all things considered, Yin Brotherhood have a pretty amazing start let's talk about map placement then let's yeah. go into what what are you what are we looking at we started what are we the looking game. for what do um, we want so it's kind of interesting I, i'll say this much um to a certain extent you're just looking for a solid slice right um the, no. the, the number one thing you want though to be to be totally honest is you need uh dalbutha or melon or any planet with two influence and very few resources. Why few resources? Because you don't want to be spending very many resources when you use indoctrination. Right, you don't want that to be a, t a difficult decision to make, basically. Right. You want to be able to just use that free, freely. Exactly. Indoctrination is an amazing ability when you have a zero-two planet just at your disposal always. Right. Um, I, and it, it sucks because as Yin, that means you have two... Uh, influence needs, right? You have devotion and obviously command counters, and they—I'll—I'll I'll say later—they need command counters. So the other thing I would say is, honestly, for me, if I was in games where I was picking my pie slice, I went for the highest influence I could get, whatever system had the most influence, um, because I—you don't even really need that many resources as, in, as Yin Brotherhood. You mm -hmm. need lots of influence 
for so many reasons. Right. So right. so get try to get as many to influence low resource planets as you can. Uh, people will tell you yellow tech is good. I agree. Green tech is good. I agree. Red tech. You're is, talking tech skips. Okay. Sorry, yellow, tech skips. Yep, yellow tech skip. Green tech skip. Yep. Um, what, I think. What, what's the highest priority of those? Though? Yellow. Yeah. Um, green is so handy because you can get hypermetabolism early, and again, that helps your command counter problem. Oh, right, but yeah. We're going to have an influence problem, are we not? Like, we, it seems we like we got absolutely. a lot of reason to spend influence, and we need command counters always. Right. So, I mean, honestly, if it's if it's your choice between two high-influence systems, and both of them have a zero-two, and one's got a yellow tech, and one's got a green tech, I would say... Go for the yellow tech, right? Because graviton is much less useful for you than Daxon. At the very least, you will get use out of Daxon animators, right, so you right. don't need to skip Daxon. The other thing, though, too, to keep in mind is you have such a good start that you could really capitalize on that. So if you can just get a system with a bunch of two planet systems adjacent, like if you can just take as many planets as possible in the first round you can be set up with a huge advantage going into round two. Yeah. So, the, I, I, you know, I want the two research or the two influence planets, but, I mean, if you've got a system that's got Bear Glurda 4 adjacent to a home system and then another two planet adjacent to a home system, I would consider foregoing the other influence just to get, like, a crazy resource advantage going into round two. But okay. be cautious of that. I, w- I would say the two influence is more important for, for your all the things you need to be doing. I have a random question. This might be kind of out of place, but could you spend trade goods as the influence for you can. indoctrination? Cool. Yeah, you can. But so you could maybe again, just bank two trade goods at some point with right. the goal of being like, I always want to have indoctrination available sure. as a possibility. Sure. But that still runs into the same problem of it is less efficient than just having a zero two planet. Because if you're spending two trade goods on indoctrination, right. you're not spending two trade goods on four infantry. I, I definitely think it is much more powerful if you can stand to have a zero two or a one two mm-hmm. um strategy cards honestly uh yin brotherhood are I, it's so funny because people are looking to to hear us go back on our word and stuff and and so i i'm feeling like this is the this is the changing of the tune of yin brotherhood going forward and like after this episode we just won't be allowed to make those jokes anymore because like i'm gonna keep saying really nice things about the yin brotherhood strategy right. card wise you have such a good start that you can roll with the punches. You can kind of take whatever. Now, if you're picking like first or second, uh, what I want to aim for is, I mean, warfare, because it'll just help you have an even better start. Like if you Mm -hmm. can take three systems, turn one with your two carriers, that's amazing, right? Like just get as far ahead as you possibly can. And that's going to be a big theme with the Yin Brotherhood for me is go ahead and get ahead because like we said, you're defensive. So the more stuff you can take early, you're going to be able to hold it probably. So if you get warfare and take a bunch of systems, there's pretty low odds that people are going to nab it from out under you. You're going to hold a lot of the stuff that you take. They're very similar to soul in that regard uh, for very different reasons, but you can hold a lot of what you get. So I like warfare. Okay. So you're recommending the most popular strategy card that you can possibly pick round one. What's our backup? Because we're going to need one. There's a there's a world where I suggest politics like we've been doing so much recently where it's just like if you didn't get warfare round one take politics but at this point we're off we're, we're 
saying that so often that I feel like we've now gotten into this world where actually politics is a pretty choice get and it's hard to even get politics. I would say my other big favorite is leadership because you absolutely will have a command counter problem and going into round two without having a problem is going to be huge. There's a, there's a part of me that wants to recommend leadership as your, as your top pick just because of what you'll be able to do round two rather than being CC starved. I I hate being CC starved as Yin Brotherhood and the games that I've done the best with them are when I never had a command counter problem the whole game. Uh, Let me ask a question. This is kind of out of place. I feel like in the episode in general, I just feel like I'm listening to this feeling a little like confused about something. I want to ask a very specific question. Do you leave planets untapped specifically just for the possibility of using indoctrination or do you spend the planets strategically feeling like okay i can afford to like spend all this on command counters now um and i won't have to use indoctrination or do you feel like indoctrination is so important that essentially you're gonna have to just like go rounds where you don't spend the influence so that you um, could. i do think it's something you want to be keeping your eye out for um if there, there's two situations. One, you know you're probably going to get attacked. And two, you know mm-hmm. there's a planet you have to invade. If you're just doing right. normal early game stuff and everyone's being fairly peaceful and you're setting stuff up, I wouldn't be that afraid to, to get rid of indoctrination and get a command counter instead. That is the struggle with them, is you are having to be a little studious about like how you decide to spend that influence. And yeah, I think there are lots of rounds where you go ahead and spend all of your influence on command counters as opposed to saving anything for indoctrination. Uh, late game, like from round four onward, I will I would never spend one of my zero twos or one twos. I need to always keep that because I right. never know what right. someone's gonna have to pull off, you know? That's when like weird last ditch effort plays get made and I need to always have that in my back pocket because your, your opponents get less and less predictable as the game goes on. So from round four onward, don't spend that influence on command counters. But early game, maybe. So maybe taking leadership early and like getting ahead on the CC economy in the early game seems maybe more yeah. beneficial. Yes, definitely. Um, because you, you, you need yeah. to give yourself the wiggle room to not need to spend your zero right, two. Right. Well, what, what secondaries are we looking for um, in round one? I would say the main one, as per usual, is tech. If you, let's say you took tech, because tech isn't a terrible grab for them. Uh, you are... Tech's right. never a terrible If grab, you took tech, really. then you are going to do the secondary of warfare. If you didn't take tech, you're going to spend Darien, your home planet, on tech, and you're not getting any other money. Uh, I don't think you should depend right. on getting trade goods from trade. Maybe you can. That would be great. But don't. I, I'm not putting that in this guide because in no way can I rely on that. I can't guarantee you're ever going to get that money. It's not like other factions that have a lot of wiggle room. Like, you have two commodities. We didn't say that earlier. You have terrible commodities. You don't have a lot of trade potential. So... The $4 is what you've got, and you're probably going to spend those $4 on tech. So um, those are really the only two secondaries I would do as well. I would save everything else for next round because you do not need to be wasting command counters. You're probably going to spend a lot of your first command counters expanding too. If you did get Warfare, you're hopefully expanding to three different systems and... I'm the the one other round one thing I think that people should consider is whether or not you decide to activate your home system and build two more ground forces, right? Because you have Sarween tools. Is two ground forces are two ground forces worth 
a full command counter or should you bank that command counter for next round? And I feel like this is a choice that a lot of factions have. And I don't know, Hunter, what do you, what do you think just in general? I, I don't I don't think so. I, I think throwing some some ground forces down before you can even build a carrier there is silly because you're just going to end up like you're you're going you're not saving yourself any time. Next time you build, you're going to build some ground forces, right? But you're also probably going to build a carrier with which to carry those ground forces, right? Or be picking them up with one of your other carriers. So it doesn't feel like you're really saving yourself any time there being yeah. ground forces there already. Um, Unless we're talking about going for gravity drive, which it doesn't sound like we are, there's nope. not going to nope. be any like pick up and go stuff happening, yeah. or not in the early yeah. game, anyways. So you're you're throwing a command counter away, and now you just have two ground forces on your home system. I realize, like, yeah, maybe this is a defensive maneuver to like avoid getting invaded on the first right. round. We're taking all of our ground. We're we're basically leaving our home system completely undefended, yeah, but- except for. I do like leaving the destroyer behind because, again, the destroyer is basically a defensive unit for you. Right. Um, but, yeah, no one, no one's invading you, like, round yeah, one. That's, that's not going to happen. Yeah, so I agree with that. I think, generally speaking, you're not going to build in your home system round one at all because you're not going to have the money, and so if you're only building two ground forces, not really worth it. Right. Um, so what are you doing? Uh, let's say you got warfare. You're expanding to two systems adjacent to you whichever the best ones are. Ideally, one of those is the one on the way to Mechatol because you want to warfare, pull that token, and get adjacent to Mechatol Rex. This is where we start talking about Yin Brotherhood is a Mechatol race. Uh, and I, I I had by far the most success when I went hard for Mechatol Rex. Games where I tried to do other shenanigans, it's just too messy. You, you Again, you are not aggressive enough. You are not actually capable at taking stuff whereas you are good at holding stuff. So if you can just get to Mechatol Rex as fast as possible, there are lots of times where you're gonna hold it all game. You're not like good at winning space battles. You're good at making it so that the space battle will cost too much for so-and-so to be able to do all the things they needed to do. You're good at making no one win the space battle. Right, right. But you're not. The, you're, the you're Van not gonna is win. the perfect example. Yeah, you're not going to win by like focusing on having like a great fleet. You just need to get out there fast. So this is one of those weird factions, and this is what I was suggesting earlier. This is why they fit with me so well. Is the Yin Brotherhood are looking to take an early lead, uh, get some lucky objectives, and hold on to it, right? And then maintain and win. Uh, before anyone else can steamroll, it's like if Soul wasn't effective in a lot of ways. It's like it's like yes. a it's like a difficult to play Soul. I feel like right, they they are a lesser Soul. I also like to compare them. We, we we've been talking recently about like where we would actually position Yin. When we did our tier list, uh, we kind of said they're just in this other thing. They're in the Yin tier. They're sort of I don't know situational. We didn't even know what to call them at this point. If I'm like doing a ranking. I put them right there with Arborek, mm-hmm. and they are they are Ar- they are Arborek's polar opposite. Yeah, Arborek struggles completely during the early game. They just have no early game advantages, um, but can completely wreck shop in the late game. And Yin Brotherhood is the polar opposite. Right, you can tear it up early game, and late game you don't you really quickly start to lose your advantage. They're both snowballs. Like, Arborek yes. is like a winter snowball, and it gathers snow, but Yin is like a snowball on the beach. <laughs> it's melting. It burns out really it's melting, fast. melting, baby. No one expected it to be there, and right. it 
goes away very fast. What tech are we getting first round? We're getting Neural Motivator. <laughs> oh, Boy, oh, do we well, love really? Neural. Huh. It's becoming less and less of a surprise. But more importantly, this is not just we think Neural is great. You absolutely are gunning for Infantry 2. So, of course, you're getting Neural right. Motivator. You were going to get it anyways. So, are we building any units round one? Is that a priority? Or is our start no. so great that we don't care? Our start is so great, we do not care about getting more units. If you need to take tech, that's fine. And now you have four resources to spend plus Sarween tools, so five. In your home system, you are going to build one carrier, two ground forces, and a destroyer. Yeah. That's exactly what you want. That's, su to, that's super to good. continue into the rest of the game. Um, and, and I think, I mean, there was a world where that was my first recommendation, is take tech and then set up that, that uh, thing. It's going to give you a really good round two because you've got lots of carriers to carry lots of ground forces and you can do a lot but i think moving out is more important so that's why warfare is good and and having a bank of command counters is good so really my tier list for for strategy cards is warfare leadership and then maybe technology or politics right whichever one right. whichever one makes the most sense or is available to you so so are you uh, how strongly are you recommending the round two take mechatol rex play everything in me is suggesting that to you okay that is that is your mission in the same way that it was Soul's mission to us. Right. Uh, and in fact, in my mind, Soul is the only faction that could theoretically beat you there. You should take Mechatol Rex. Even if you don't get there first, if anyone else takes it before you, you should be set up to take it from them, and you should have not much difficulty in taking it from them. Okay. I just want to point out then, but with that, that... Round two, Yin Brotherhood, with with this strategy specifically, and I and I haven't witnessed this in the in the actual game space, so this is kind of theory-ish. But I feel like round two, Yin Brotherhood, sounds kind of vulnerable to me a little bit. It sounds a little bit yes. scary because you're gonna have to spend the six influence to take yep. the Mechatol Rex. You are point. cutting a lot of your resources out, like we said earlier, to spend that six influence. You are probably spending Darien, which is wasting four resources. That's why your hope, honestly, is if you're gonna take Mechatol first, your hope is you had a really influence-rich pie slice, and you're spending way more influence than you're spending resources. Right. right? Let's let's hope we had Mir and a zero two, and then we take uh, Mechatol Rex for basically free. Yeah. Or some combination that is similar to that. A one three, a zero two, and a trade good, or whatever it is. Um, you don't. You want to spend as few resources on taking Mechatol Rex as possible, but I would spend. Darien and two more influence to take. God, it. I kind of want to see a soul versus yin game now. I know. It, yeah, I, I we haven't had it play out yet, and I think that's a. We'll talk about that more in counters, but there's gonna be some stuff going on there. Right. Um. I. I. I <laughs> there's a chance that yin can take Mechatol from soul if it happens fast enough. Right. And we'll talk right. about that. All more right. Later. Well, let's talk. So let's get in the I mid game. I really think you're going for Mechatol. Yeah. Let's let's get in that mid game. Let's talk. Uh. What's our our commodity? <laughs> What's our trading? What are we gonna it's, trade? <laughs> mm, no, uh, your commodities are trash. That's two. You don't really have anything. Your promissory note isn't good to offer up to people. But essentially, you're saying the commodities don't really matter. But um, a lot of people, I feel like, uh, are really into this potential of yin being like an extortion race, a race that mm -hmm. that or an extortion faction that is that that allows people to refresh their commodities with the um, intent of threatening them in order to take them away. And it feels like you're not right. really building a guide based on that. So so why, why are we not doing that? There are two types of bad guys 
that you are going to be as the Yin Brotherhood. There's, there's two uh, branching paths. One of them is the extortion yin. You start from the get-go just being a meanie, you build lots of destroyers, you get in people's faces and you say, if you want me to not blow up all your stuff and sacrifice this game for both of us, you're gonna pay me. Well, the truth of the matter is, people will try to call your bluff. And more often than not, they're just not gonna pay you because people don't like to do that. Right. And instead, and they're gonna they're gonna recognize that well, if I say no, you will be throwing your whole game, and that will be completely stupid of you to do, because sacrificing a bunch of destroyers to blow up a war sun, which I tried one yeah, time, I yeah. made the threat. I said, "Give me your war sun promissory note, Muat, or I will blow up your only war sun." And he said, uh, "Go ahead, be my guest." And I tried it, and I did it, and I lost way too much in the process, right. and it cost. It, it was a bad play. It was too aggressive, too early. And any other aggression always just feels like the same story. They don't have enough so, to like. It's it's literally. I think it's too obvious that if the bluff is called, all this does right. is ruin both your games, basically. Exactly, and you have no other economic advantages. Right. The difference is like Soul has extra command counters; they're already gaining, and like the other factions have economic advantages and you have nothing so you don't have any like you have no room to stand on you're you're kind of starting from behind the only factions you can truly threaten like this are like maybe winu maybe ghosts any factions that are like obviously beneath you right but like in my case even i tried threatening muat and it still didn't work because there's a chance muat survives with their war son and then you're left with nothing mm -hmm. so regardless the other kind of bad guy you can be with the Yin Brotherhood is, like we said, the Yin Brotherhood that takes a really fast point advantage. You get lots of systems really fast, and no one has an easy way of taking them from you, and you are scoring Mechatol points, and by round four, everyone goes, we absolutely have to deal with Yin, and even when they try to deal with you, they have trouble, and you maybe still win the game. Right. That's the kind of bad guy you want to be is the Yin Brotherhood. The Yin Brotherhood that in the early game, everyone's like, well, he's not hurting me. He is taking a lot of stuff, but I feel like I'll be able to deal with that later. And then later comes and it's too late. I think I have a I I have something I want to say that I think makes a lot of sense with the picture that you're painting. A lot of times when people are talking about the Yin Brotherhood, the shorthand that they use for them is that they are terrorists. And right. I think that is the pitfall, actually. They, yes, they are not terrorists. Absolutely. They, they're not terrorists. Nope. They are guerrilla fighters. They are, yes. we take things and then it's difficult to get rid of us and it doesn't cost us that much to hold on to it, but it's gonna cost mm -hmm. you more to take it yeah, back from us. that's exactly it. It's gonna cost you so much to take anything from me, so why would you even bother? I wanna, I, I wanna say for the record, at this point in the episode, I, f I wanna play them now. I just got there. Yeah. I just got there. It works. It works really well, to be honest. There, There's going to be one huge uh, flaw in this system that we'll point out, um, but I want to get through some of the rest of this mid-game Okay, so first. let's talk about the tech path then. What tech are we getting after Neural? We started with Neural. Yeah. Um, I want to get Infantry 2 as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, I think some people might disagree with this because there's an argument that indoctrination is so good that you're already winning ground combats. Um, and, and I've seen people recommend Cruiser 2 first. And I tried it, um, and I did okay, but the games that I won were the ones where I took Infantry 2 first. Right. Because 
um, let's say you're fighting three ground forces versus two ground forces, your odds are still only okay because that's technically like a fair fight. Because you need one ground force to survive, you really have a 2v2 going on with one dude needing to, to survive. Mm -hmm. um, but if your infantry fight on a seven and theirs are on an eight, your odds improve quite a lot. And I want you to not just take Mechatol Rex. I think you take Mechatol Rex and then you keep trying to take other weak planets. My, my uh, recommendation with Yin Brotherhood is quite a lot of early game aggression. Um, because again, there's a really good chance you're gonna hold all of that. If you have Infantry 2 and Daxiv, um, honestly, that's the other reason I wanna go to Infantry 2 first is I wanna either get Daxiv or Hypermetabolism really fast. Mm -hmm. So I would rather have Daxiv or Hypermetabolism than I would like to have Plasma Scoring or if I have a Red Skip, like those are more important to me than Cruiser 2. Right. Um, I do think Cruiser 2 is good and I want you to get it later, but it's sort of last on my radar. Cool. Um, so after Infantry 2, I want you to get Space Dock 2. And this is exclusively because you're going for Mechatol Rex. If you're in a game where Mechatol Rex, for whatever reason, gets taken off the table and you are not going to go for Mechatol Rex, I do not think Space Dock 2 is nearly as important for you, and I would go straight for Cruiser 2 after. But if you're rushing for Mechatol Rex, 3 production on Mechatol Rex is not very good. But 5 production is very, very helpful. And so getting Space Dock 2 um, can save you a lot in the long run. I feel like the timing uh, of it is going to be very important, though, because... Yes. Like, if, if there's no soul in the game, then... I mean, being able to produce even five ground forces in the mid game is probably going to be enough to hold Mechatol Rex yes. until we get into the late game, basically. Definitely, um, definitely. So I feel like two activations, you know, that's fine too. You know, that's that's not horrible. Right. Right. But it it's um, just like I feel like the Space Dock Two thing is a very specific timing window that it makes sense to get that. Yeah, I'll say this much too, though. The other part of my strategy is. Once you have Mechatol Rex and you're holding it pretty easily, because you're right, by round three, there's a world where everyone looks at Mechatol and goes, yep, we give up. Yin has it. Right. There's no reason to ever go there. If you have a space dock on Mechatol Rex that is upgraded, now you have a completely new production center. That's a good that point. That is in the middle of the board, and you can take anything you want from there. So if you start keep pumping out ground forces and big fleets out of Mechatol Rex, you're flooding anywhere you want like you're in range of everything yeah, now yeah and that's the most important part for me that's a good point i like that being at the center of the board um I, I think if i think any faction that is going for mechatol rex needs to find a way to incorporate mechatol rex's strengths into their strategy right so i mean mechatol rex helps us in so many ways it's not just that we can get to mechatol rex but we have a command counter problem guess what six influence is worth <laughs> lots of command mm -hmm. counters uh like the fact that we can take and hold things really well means holding Mechatol Rex is easy for us. And the fact that in the late game, uh, after you've got Infantry 2 and you've got Space Dock 2, then I do think if there's any time left, which for me there wasn't, but in, if you're going in a long game or something, if there's any time left, getting Cruiser 2 is still very good. And now you're at the center of the map with cruisers that move 3 are carrying your very, very good ground forces with them. You might be able to take any system you want, depending on the timing of your attack. Here's my, I'll start, I'll start talking about this. We're getting close to the end game. My goal with the Yin Brotherhood is take as much as I can early, get lucky with objectives, and that's a crucial part. 
If you get really, really bad secret objectives that are just way too hard for you to accomplish, your chances of winning as the Yin Brotherhood just dropped significantly. But if you get objectives that are not too hard to do and can be done in the pie slice that you establish quickly, your increases, uh, your, your chances to win are very, very good because you can defend all of those systems for a long time. What you might need in the late game, because what if someone else is having a lucky game? You might need the opportunity to strike at one vital and you know planet, and that will end up winning you the game or something like that. That's what Cruiser Two helps you do. That's what being in the center of the board helps you do. You have this opportunity to okay, I need to take one last ditch effort to score a crazy point. I need my fourth hazardous planet or my what sixth hazardous planet or whatever it is, um, and it's a few spaces away from Mechatol Rex, well, I can do that. I can accomplish things like that. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about, like, problems then. Like, let, like I feel like there is... Uh, I feel like you've kind of given us a lot to do, and I am pretty worried yep. about command counters. Like, do, do you Absolutely. feel like that is the Achilles heel of this whole... This whole strategy, it's, basically, it's one of it's one of two Achilles heels. Uh, command counters. You should take leadership every single time it is available to you. Um, there was one game where I made that a rule for myself, mm-hmm. uh, and it worked very, very well. Even if I had other strategies of things I wanted to try to accomplish, if I had leadership available, I took it. And having available command counters to take planets when they become available, or to build when you need to build or stall people out or whatever just having as many command counters to be able to do the many many things you need to do is super super helpful this is this is kind of scary though because it sounds like i mean like even in your magic christmas land we're taking warfare which is a little bit helpful for saving command counters we're going for mechatol and then we're grabbing construction so the early game we kind of have some like because Again, it's not it's not a blue tech race. So if we're getting to Mechatol, it's probably because we took warfare. So now that means when are we when are we pulling leadership off, basically? Right. Uh, I mean, it's round three onward. Yeah, basically. So it's a very big Um, mid game consideration in the in the Christmas land, basically. Right. Right. That's another reason why, honestly, the leadership play round one is helpful because that can get you through round one, two, and a little bit into right. three. Right, and you still might get Mechatol. I mean, there are games where people, where there's not a race that has a good enough reason to race exactly. for it, so, yeah. Right, so you just kind of get to take right. it. Um, the other the other thing is this, this, what you're bringing up is a good reason to take politics round one. If you are worried about politics into warfare round two still helps you get Mechatol, right. and that might be important. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's it is really hard actually to make like a solid round one recommendation that sets you up without being a little bit weak in rounds like three and four, right. or maybe two and three. Uh, and I think that is where you're going to find your biggest weaknesses. And um, I think people are going to probably try to jump on you, especially if this becomes like a pretty strong meta. People are going to start actively working against it, and they won't let you get away with just taking Mechatol. They'll try to gut you. Right. And so I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for this strategy. Um, I would say that's why it is important, like I said earlier, to get destroyers in your pie slice. They're cheap. Your first activation in round two, like when you build in your home system in round two, you can just build a handful of destroyers and um, throw them kind of all over your pie slice when you have time. This is another reason why we need just gobs and gobs and gobs of command yeah. counters. We want to be constantly improving our fleet supply. We want to be getting destroyers out there to defend our stuff. 
Um, it, it, it absolutely is a lot to do. I found, though, like, my my favorite game as them was the one where I took my Katal Rex very early, construction was my next play, and yeah, my pie slice itself wasn't very good, but I had such a strong hold on my home system and Mechatol Rex that it kind of didn't matter, and it helped that I got fairly lucky with objectives. And I think Yin Brotherhood relies on that. Any faction that is bad, which I'm still calling Yin Brotherhood fairly bad mm-hmm. because they're not, um, their aggression isn't good enough, um, or or their 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 economic abilities aren't good enough. They don't. It doesn't give them extra opportunities to be aggressive. So. You, you rely on lucky objectives. Like I said earlier, if you get bad objectives, you you are in really bad shape. Um, it's it's very hard to come back from like drawing two really terrible secret objectives. The tech path we did set up though is is good for two tech, two colors, multiple upgrades, you know, two green, two yellow, space lock two, infantry two, you're pretty, you're pretty set. Um, if you can skip Graviton to get transit diodes, that's super helpful, but it is a lot to do. Um, but I think what you will find is as long as you leave ground forces in the right spots, um, even though people might want to try to take stuff from you, they have a hard time doing it. They won't be able to afford it, essentially. All right. Well, so do we want to talk about late game? Do we want to talk about counters? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, who we counter is interesting uh, because early game we are pretty good at taking planets from people right. uh, because most people only have one ground force on any planet and when you do a 1v1 you just win if you've got an if you have uh influence to spare um so really you counter any planet that isn't very well defended um even like sar you, you could easily, if you're neighbors with Sar, you could easily be the faction that just kind of follows behind them. And even if they're leaving their little slug trail of ground forces on planets, you're easily cleaning it up. Um, the big one for me, though, that I want to bring up, this isn't a hard counter, but I do think it's important to talk about um, you are a good faction against early soul. You have the ability to slow soul down dramatically if you decide to focus on it. Uh, this is where we talk about what is going on with Mechatol Rex. Right. In most cases, Soul can probably beat you there because they're going to get Gravity Drive. Um, to me, this is okay. And I think that as long as you are still getting there very, very fast, your indoctrination ability will be enough to where if you... It's a timing window, but if Soul takes... Mechatol Rex, and you are directly adjacent to it, your next move needs to be to take it from them before they're able to orbital drop anything, because there's pretty good chance that they only have two, maybe three ground forces there. And if you're bringing two, you're either turning it into a 3v1 or a 3v2 fight um, in your favor. Mm-hmm. And dislodging soul from Mechatol Rex is a huge deal, and you will have a very good chance of holding it over them like that they they will have a hard time invading and taking it from you so um i i personally do think you have an opportunity to to keep soul from holding on to mechatol rex this is a little bit theory crafty though i haven't played yin against a soul that did this so i'd be curious to see if people have experiences with this and i'm not going to say that it is foolproof i'm going to say it is a pretty desperate move and if you can find success without um, 
sending a bunch of stuff and maybe losing against Soul, you should try to do that. But I think it's worth an attempt if 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 Soul didn't take enough to Mechatol Rex. You should you should try to do the math and see what your odds are of taking it from them. I, I feel like it's a it's an interesting idea. I, I don't know how, like, I feel like it's one of these things, like, every once in a while I feel like we bring up something in the counter section where it's like, this is going to take so much of your focus, though, to accomplish yeah, this that you definitely. might end up losing the game doing this. Like, like yeah, Maybe. it might block soul, but I'm not sure if you also get to then turn around and, like, you know, t- like, it's like, I think I think you're right in that they can block Soul from taking Mechatol. I just don't know if they can then afford to also be the one that comes out on top uh, in taking yeah. Mechatol itself. Because if we're if we're yeah, taking I, it from a Soul, it, that means that it's not going to be that well defended and in going into that round two. And I feel like right. that round two is the most critical round for any Mechatol race, yeah. really. But essentially, right. very much for Soul for well, uh, Yin. Really, it's about round three. I mean, depends on like who's got warfare or whatever. But like, if Soul invaded it before you, they're activated. So you taking it, yeah, you're not very well defended. Maybe you have one ground force. Maybe you got Daxiv and you have like two ground forces left. Um, it, it is tricky. You you will not have a good defense. For me. All the games that I didn't go for Mechatol Rex, I struggled the entire right. game. Um, so I do think it is worth it to settle yourself on Mechatol Rex. And if you... I, I, it is a little bit of a... It's not entirely a conservative suggestion, but I don't know that there's anything that is more conservative that actually wins you the game mm-hmm. is kind of the, the end result there. If you're completely foregoing Mechatol Rex, I think your strategy has to be like get those cruiser twos out faster because now you got to do a lot more stuff on the rest of the board um and i don't know that's a that is a harder thing to pull off cool um so who counters us uh late game soul uh once once soul gets going they have so many ground forces that are fighting on a six versus our seven that um even with indoctrination Soul should be bringing enough ground forces to the to the fight that it doesn't it's matter. It's that capacity and advantage. I think that's actually the problem capacity. in general with you versus Soul yes. is that they can move more yep. guys to the place where you be. Yeah, yeah. You you gaining a two ground force leg up on them doesn't matter when they bring eight ground it forces. It just depends. I think the math is going to be really... It's going to be really interesting. I, I really want to do a Soul versus Yen episode. Yeah. Like, I'll say this. Um, I think... Um, if soul is in your game, transit diodes just got a lot more. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. You need to shuffle ground forces around to like clutch spots pretty constantly. So I, I would rush for maybe transit diodes before even space dock too mm-hmm. in that situation. Um, another one, late game arborek for f- pretty much the same reason. If they want to, they can easily bring a bunch of ground forces. Uh, their capacity isn't as good, but they can have just so many ground. Well, forces. and they can just build and, a, and their planets won't. They can build a carrier on the fly to bring more stuff. Right. Capacity isn't that big of an issue as Arborek because you just throw your stuff wherever you need it. Uh, the last one is again extra kingdom just like apparently we think extra counters like everybody but it's the extra or really it's the anybody who puts pds on planets you do you are a little bit afraid of pds um space cannon defense can knock out some of your uh ground forces and that's the last thing you want your your whole advantage is being able to swing the tides of important ground force battles and if they have plasma scoring and kill two of your ground forces before it's even started you are in trouble yeah um, so I'm definitely afraid of PDS. I'm also afraid of PDS because they're going to fire at my fleets. And 
the thing that makes devotion bad is that destroyers are bad and cruisers are okay, but to sacrifice a cruiser for for devotion is pretty costly. And so you can't count on your destroyers scoring any hits. And so if your ships get PDSed away, I still probably want to lose the destroyer first before I lose my carrier or like take a hit on my dreadnought or anything like that. So you you very quickly lose your fleet abilities and yeah it's just pds are fairly scary for the in brotherhood generally speaking well yeah i feel like extra has appeared a lot in the in the counter part but it's it just makes sense because they're a defensive race so when we're building these episodes thinking of like oh we're putting ourselves in this position as being this race extra is scary however when you're playing as extra it's not that you can just you know hurt everybody it's just that people can't really hurt you so it makes sense that they appear here and are not themselves they're they're they are just the most offensive race they're always going to come up as like a well you can't really mess with them because their whole thing is that you can't mess with them (laughs) right right Right. um i don't know that i could really think of any honorable mentions for yin brotherhood i think beyond these like pretty obvious like ground force counters and pds problems nothing there's no like goofy I think honestly, really. they are their own worst enemy. It, it's not that yes. the yin it has this giant hole that you can everyone can no. exploit. It's that you're you might just you can mess screw it up. It up yeah, for yourself. exactly. That you might just mess it up on your own. Yeah, that I 100 percent agree with that. You you can be your own worst counter if you try to do this extortion yin, or you try to just like I'm gonna really like jump out there and. Um, take a planet that I have low odds are the planets that you're trying to take. I, I, I recommended getting out there and getting lots of planets fast, but you're trying to take the ones that are barely being defended. You're trying to just nab everything. You're not looking to engage in big fights right. pretty much ever. I mean, all game, you never want to fight a big fight. You only want to do these tiny little skirmishes. Cause that's when you're best. You, you can win skirmishes. You are not very good in huge fights. Mm-hmm. So to that end, because you're good at skirmishes, I mean, honestly, like Lizix, Barony, that's a problem. Right. Um, big, big fleets that can come bombard your stuff and you scoring hits is only being used against sustained damage. Uh, that is that is not easy to deal with. Um, so in games where you're against Yin, I mean, in games where you're against Lizix and Barony, Aletnev, you really need to stockpile ground forces on planets because the chances of you doing anything in space are is nil i mean you're, you're just not going to win space combats against those two and you just need to make sure you have enough ground forces where the bombardment doesn't mess you up lizix especially you're gonna have kind of a hard time um the hope though is they're not bringing that many ground forces let's say they're only coming with two dreadnoughts you know plan for that plan for maybe four ground forces and some bombardment that means you need to really be loading up ground forces on planets mm-hmm. before we get to like our 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 victory talk and like the kind of end of strategy guide talk. Um, I want to, I feel like we didn't get enough on the huge van and it's like, everybody is a really big like fan fan of of it. Yeah. People love the van. And I feel like, you know, we did nail them with the, like, you can't really take unveil flagship earlier, but like if, did you ever really find a place for it in your strategy? And if, and when you did, what was that? Or, I mean, if it isn't, then, then it isn't, but... I find there is only one use for the huge van, and it is parking it in your home system. Right. Um, people will make an argument for parking it on Mechatorex, but the difference is, more often, people are pretty willing to, um, like, late game, 
if Yin has to be taken off a of Mechatol Rex because Imperial is a problem, multiple flat factions will team up on you. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the same goes for your home system, but at least in your home system, um, less people will have range to be able to get I to like you. That. Late game, there's usually only one person who can get to your home system to make that last-ditch effort to take your planet, uh, and the huge van stops that. If there's two people that have a- easy access to your home system, then, I mean, yeah, you're definitely in trouble. But having it on Mechatol Rex... It's pretty easy for there to be two or three people near there. So one person can be the person who sends their ships in and blows up the huge van. And then the next person comes in and takes Mechatol Rex from yeah. you. I mean, ideally, they wouldn't because you have a lot of ground forces there. But I think it is plenty effective on your home system to the point where, like, sometimes it's not that big of a deal to only have the huge van parked on your home system. Um, you, you can have ground forces and the huge van and that's it and you're going to probably be okay. Uh, the only thing there would be uh, don't let the X-Chaw flagship come in and snipe it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be that would be horrible. Uh, That's uh, another reason why X-Chaw is, is really scary. For another me. good um, mention for just, why Infantry 2 is so good, though, is because by the late game, if you're winning, you're going to have a bunch of infantry sitting there from all those yep. lost fights, basically. Yep. Yeah, so a bunch of infantry that have been refreshing in your home system and a huge van sitting in your home system, there's nothing anybody can do. There's just, I mean, in almost every game, you, your your home system is a fortress. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so so what makes us a superpower is essentially that. You, you can, if you get lucky with objectives, things that you take, you can turn into fortresses. You have huge defensive capabilities. You can leave small fleets parked around where your destroyers can snipe off carriers that are trying to invade you uh, and then even if they bring enough carriers to start a ground combat you can turn the tides of a ground combat very easily so your superpower is having a really good start and using that good start to take a lot really fast and then hold it and, and the last point is ideally you took Mechatol Rex and that's really where you're looking for your victory is Mechatol Rex points and being in the center of the board to have easy access to any other points you might need. Um, basically, it's you are a good Mechatol Rex faction and you need to play whatever that means, right? There, there's just a certain strategy that works when you are on Mechatol Rex and you need to be doing that, which is you're centralized, you're getting things that are kind of all over the board and um, scoring points that way and then scoring Imperial um, when you can, and especially right there at the end of the game, you're kind of hoping to win with an Imperial play. Dope. And we did it. We said a lot of really nice things about the Yin Brotherhood, and I won two games of them, and I played another game where Yin, in three games in a row, I saw Yin victories. That's crazy. They, they are an okay race, but in all three of those games, the biggest reason they won was they had easy paths to points they had good objectives they weren't getting screwed over by objectives right um getting getting the have four pds on the board that sucks uh anything like that anything that just slows you down as the yin brotherhood uh could really ruin your whole day and if you get any objectives that are just like really poorly timed then you're gonna be in trouble but there was a, it's similar to like the ghost problem we talked about where it's like they have a decent opportunity at taking planets and holding them which is a lot of objectives so you're pretty good at a lot of objectives but you do need that luck side of it um, and that's why I still don't think they're like amazing because compare that to Jolnar or Soul, where it's like you don't need to get lucky as those two factions you just need to do what you do 
but doing what you do as the yin is not necessarily enough. You do need that advantage of a couple pretty timely, convenient secret objectives or stage twos. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We, I mean, we just did it. We did what was our biggest... Uh, there we did. That was it. That's what you guys wanted. You know what's... You, you wanted it. Uh, it wasn't as hard as the ghost strategy guide, and it wasn't as hard as the Windu strategy guide, so I do put them above them, but like I said earlier, I put them on par with Arborek. They can have great games. They can run away with it. Um, but they also have games where, boy, is it a crash and burn. Are you ever going to play them again now? Definitely. It'll be a while. Yeah. Um, there's there's kind of all the factions that you did guides for that I still want to get to. Um, and, I mean, from here on out, you know, we're not, like, singling out any factions, really. It's kind of just like, I'm going to draw three and pick one. And there will definitely be games where I want to pick Yin. Yeah. So, um, I, I like them more than Winu. I like them more than uh, Muat. And they fit my style. They definitely fit my play style. So it's like, it makes sense for me to try to play them. So would more. you say like maybe the twist of the episode is that like you actually love them, that you're actually really, really love them and that this was actually a lot of fun for you? Yes. Shh. Don't tell anyone. I think, I think I'm into the yin and I, I what, here's what I don't like. I don't like the idea of saying that I'm into playing as the yin because... Now what do I get to joke about on the podcast? Well, here's the thing. Um, I have prepared an induction ceremony for you into okay. the Yin Brotherhood. And Oh no. Um, I the reason I was actually able to manipulate circumstances to get you into Arkansas, um, there are people outside, about fifty of oh, them no. with um <gasps> Oh, they're so disgusting looking. Oh, my God. No, they, they, should, have, they should have hoods over their um, faces. But the brothers are there, and uh, they will take you away um, far away from here, and, uh, and you, will, you will frolic in the, in the field of uh, whatever their thing is. It's a new me. Oh, I feel so revitalized. Yeah. Goodbye, Hunter. Have have fun only enjoying races that everyone agrees are really good. Oh, dude. Goodbye. I can't believe you think Goodbye. You, I can't believe you think I'm still gonna play Twilight Imperium if this podcast is over. That's <laughs> you are you're a fool. You're a fool there. Do we wanna talk about real quick what next week is then? Do we wanna kinda like hype that up yeah, a little bit? Yeah, show's over, and uh, the next week is the final <laughs> this is like episode. The, this is like the fourth week in a row where we've ended up being like, yep, show's over. Yeah, alright. Well, we're, we're it's show's obviously not over, but we're going to kind of wrap up uh, the, the strategy guides in general. We're going to talk about yeah. how it was such a stupid idea to do them this way, and then like what yep. we learned, and like it, a lot of fun stuff, and it's going to be kind of a freewheeling episode. Uh, and less serious than all this uh, strategy garbage we've yeah. just been feeding Hunter and I down are really your throat. Are exhausted from first round strategies, and so it's time to it's time to let our peacock feathers, you know, bloom and really really show our true um, comedy genius colors. So you can really just expect all the most rip roaring, tip tooting, flip flarting. Uh, bits in the future because no. you know now how, we're done about, with the serious no. how business. About, no, not that either. It'll just I'm be promising some of the funniest no. bits you've ever no. heard. It's just gonna Get be ready. us just hanging out, uh, having some brewskis with you guys. We're all gonna be sitting on one big digital couch together. 
all of us, and we're gonna be all, it's just one couch, too. So we're all gonna be looking forward or, like, to the side to each other, which is gonna be really awkward, but when has this show been not awkward, I ask? When has it been not? Lead us in, Captain. All right, well, I am the Captain, and welcome to... Uh, space, oh yeah, it's called Space Cats Peace Turtles, and this is the errata part, uh, where we talk about just, like, ideas of ways that we could improve. It's our weekly, um, employee, uh, employee of the month, and we're the (laughs) employee of the month every week. Every week we're employee of the month, and we get it every time. And this, the way that we get it is because you guys send in your Criticisms. awesome, your awesome, awesome thoughts that are sometimes different from our thoughts in a way that is like, hey, wait, the, your thought and my thought cannot exist in the same place. This <laughs> brain's not big enough for the two of us. <laughs> And so our thoughts have a duel to the death, and sometimes we win, and sometimes you lose. Anyways, <laughs> well, first one yeah. is from Board Game Geek Guild from Tom Boom Bombs. Bombs? Booms. Uh, this is about the Hakan episode from last week. You know the drill, babies. Um, the value of Neural Motivator in round one is one action card. The value of gravity drive in round one is capturing a third system, assuming warfare is picked by someone who can't stall you out. Already having gravity drive also means if you have initiative, you get Mechatol. Okay, let's discuss. Yeah, there. So the breakdown here is they're they're suggesting you're still going to get neural motivator later, right? You you might you'll probably get a round two. Right, but they're saying they're saying it's not the best round one tech pick. Oh god. Get him. It's an get him. Get Find him. him. <laughs> Destroy him. If if Gravity Drive were a stage zero tech, would it be a better stage one get? Not overall. Not overall. Um, there's, so, there's, there, so the thing about Gravity Drive as composed to Neural Motivator, the reason also I think why it, as a podcast we're so attracted to it is that it is across the board always going to be the same advantage. Right. Whereas what we're describing with Gravity Drive is an advantage that has some caveats to Lots it. Lots of them. Lots more than even Tom Boom's laid out here. There, there's right. way more to it than just, oh, maybe you won't get stalled out by Warfare and you can use it. There's also, I, are you assuming that the there's two systems adjacent to your home system that aren't good because uh, a lot of people play normal competitive build where all of the best systems are directly adjacent to you and you definitely do not need gravity drive to get anywhere. So then the right. only other play is okay. So you're saying I need to go to gravity drive. You need I need gravity drive to go to Mechatol to start around two. Uh, are we doing that, Hunter? I get what Tom is saying and it is uh, tempting, but I think it requires. Uh, a very different early game strategy than what we outlined. And it also, I think it just kind of requires you to pass on some things that I wouldn't want to pass on. I like as a con, you, you're not, you're not going to keep Mechatol. I'm not no. really sure how you don't have any special abilities that make... I'm Okay, well, let me backtrack a little bit already. Let me errata myself. This one's from Hunter in <laughs> his room. Uh, Hakan has no abilities that specifically make them a Mechatol powerhouse, I guess outside of the fact that they could make the money in order to buy up the, uh, the token uh, pretty easily. But besides that, there's nothing that makes them 
like a mechatol holding race really um so i mean i feel like if you want to run for this uh i feel like it's a little less consistent but you're going to get that vp so i'm not i'm i'm not tempted to say that this is a horrible idea and i think in some games it might be the right play but it's not consistent with the very conservative Hakan that we were spelling out in the episode. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I think this is something you should consider, and there, there is an argument for not getting a motivator first, but I, I think we def- I still hold that even that one action card, round one, is a lot more trading power that you're going to have that early. You know, like I, I, I don't think just one action card, that's underselling it to me. One action card, early game, is kind of a big deal to me. Right. Especially right. as Hakan. I mean, the fact that that can be money in my pocket, I think I want that more than the potential of sacrificing a lot of things to take Mechatol Rex. Yeah. So. I, I, I feel like uh, it's just kind of... Uh, th- being super aggressive as Hakan early game like this and like kind of land grab taking, mm-hmm. uh, we, we never really recommended it, and I feel like it's because it can kind of make your table yeah. uh, meta complicated it's- in the early game. And the problem is we when we did the episode, we outlined that the early game is the only time that your table is yes. not complicated, where you might actually get yeah. some it good trades. It sucks because, like, yes, points are how you win the game. Having the opportunity to take the Mechatol point is very good, but for Hakan, yeah, it puts you on uh like on the on the decline as far as your relationships with other players goes. I got a weird uh, line in the sand I want to draw. I think if Hakan goes Mechatol, I don't see how the other players don't go. Okay, well, we're not yeah. doing the whole trade with exactly. Hakan thing this game. Like, like any good player is going to look at that ag- very aggressive Mechatol play and See be like, later. okay, we're, yeah. no, and no you're way. And you're probably no already way. on thin ice with good players. And so doing that, you just yeah. like... With Matt players, I would say. No, no you're right. With, with, with players. Yeah, with mean meta old. players, you're, you're in trouble. Um, but depending on your group, maybe it's not so bad. And I think you could get away with it a lot. But... I, I like our again. We're always recommending like as conservative an approach as we can, and Gravity Drive is not as conservative. Yeah. I mean you're gonna right. get it round two anyways. Like in in the in our guide, yeah. I feel like that was a very yeah. and I stated, I never I I'm know, never in favor. But uh, in most cases, except for the Yin episode we just did, like I'm very rarely in favor of sacrificing much of anything to get to Mechatol Rex as fast as possible. There's only a couple factions I think right. that, that is good with. And most factions, it's like, you get there when you can get there. Right. And it, the factions that we do recommend it, it with, it's because there's something about them yes. that they can back it up yes. very easily. I, I mean, Soul is the easiest example. Soul is just becoming a very just specific right. talking point in all of the meta. Uh, but, yeah, like, if you can back it up, I absolutely do it and take it. But I just don't feel like Akan has anything especially that... Right. makes them like right. that i think someone basically. else will just take it from you and yeah maybe all you wanted was that one point and maybe that's not so bad too you know what i mean you get gravity drive you take that first point and then you jump off and go work on your own pie slice but yeah you, you, you did ditch. get ahead one point and you did ruin your relationships and i don't know I, that's, that's a tricky one to know how it's gonna pan out for you in the long run if that one point yeah. is really worth it i mean a normal me would say a point is always worth it what are you talking about but i don't know hakan is a different beast this is pro- this is probably weird to say but i actually in the early and mid game prefer for someone else to be in the lead if yeah, i'm hakan exactly. because that kind of like you're going to make money it makes off it of where everyone else having someone else as a target you're going to make more right, money right right 
it either creates a situation where the table is willing to cooperate with you against this one yep. person, or if the table is like, no, we don't like either of you. Well, it's like, sounds like there's somebody that you can, you know, they're in the lead or whatever, but you can still right. trade with somebody. And if you can't trade with anybody, then, well, you're effectively shot in the yep. hip. But if there's somebody out there you can trade with, that's your best That's your yeah. best shot. All right, so this next one is from the Twilight Imperium subreddit, and it's JKBaker83. They say, one small thing I like to do with Hakan round one is to use your 0-1 planet, your 1-1 planet, and a trade good to buy a command counter off of the leadership secondary. This lets you make the most use out of your renewable resources. You don't normally need to invest too much in your fleet supply at the start, and it can give you... Sorry, I said fleet supply. Uh... You don't normally need to invest too much in your fleet at the start, and it can give you a bit more flexibility early on. Uh, Robofish on BoardGameGeek kind of followed this up. Similar idea, saying, I think you underestimate the use of the 0-1 planet turn 1. As you are not going to be using it for anything else, you can get a command counter off of leadership with two extra trade goods. I think it's a very good play. This is an interesting one, Hunter, because I feel like we talked about this, and it's probably something we said in our prep for the episode, but I think we may have left it out. Yeah, I think we really messed up uh, here because we talked, we definitely talked about this before we recorded the episode, and then I don't know, I'm not even going to check, but I don't know what we did. Well, yeah. How did we, how not did we not talk, talk about, about that 0-1? <laughs> I, I did this. I did this. I remember doing this in the last game I played as a con, round yeah. one. I was like, ooh, because I was... I mean, in general, we were trying to lay out a conservative command counter, yeah. like, uh, play like I, I didn't I, I never liked any game where I had to spend a bunch of uh, trade goods one round on command counters because I just messed up that economy yeah. um, we did I will say this I well actually I don't know for sure that we talked about this but I feel like we did say you don't have to do all the set you don't have to no, spend yeah, all your command counters that. you don't need to spend round one uh, but yeah, no, we should. This was a miss. This is a miss. Uh, and and it was literally a misplay on our part as uh, when we put the episode yeah. together because I swear we talked yeah. about. This. But yeah, definitely, uh, I, I like J.K. Baker's version more. I don't want to spend two um, trade goods because I would rather maybe be able to bank trade goods. But I think your one yeah. one planet and your zero one and one trade good easily get you a get you a secondary especially because we kind of recommended maybe playing trade first so you should have those trade goods before leadership gets played it's very rare for someone to play leadership as the very first turn of the game now like, there's just yeah that's that, that's pretty rare that's weird um, to do. so yeah i love it i i think you should do it almost every single time i want to i want to go against the grain a little bit though and say that if if i'm playing a game where i'm very very consciously wanting to bank trade mm-hmm. goods uh, I might even look at that like one trade can be like, do I really need this one command counter this first round? If the first two you know, objectives if, are spend eight resources, spend five trade goods, or something like that, yeah, right, yeah, right. Off. Like there's a, there's a lot of VPs that could come out where I would be like, no, I gotta bank these trade goods. I can't yes. spend a single one of them. And the other thing too is like the only secondary that is a real must, I would say, is tech. Yeah. So you might be all right yeah if you're not spending you know? that many command counters you you don't necessarily have to have one getting one extra one is great but if there are more important things to do with your money then it's okay to skip this yeah two activations uh and then secondary of tech with you know you spend one trade good plus your planets and then that's it you, you did yeah it. but that's not the worst thing in the world 
And that's it. There's not not a lot of errata in Hakana. I think you were <laughs> yeah. really Hunter. You were very afraid that people were going to come down hard on your quantum data hub node. Yeah, I I <laughs> thought the whole world was going to wake up and be like, uh, "You are so wrong about quantum data hub <laughs> node." But if anything, I kind of feel like maybe does this does this make up for? I felt like I um, was kind of on the less popular side when it came to inheritance systems. Mm-hmm. I, I and I still stand by inheritance systems i would feel like a little bit just because it does open you up to like it, it really just comes down to like three yeah. tech but it's still three tech that there's no way you're gonna get late game if you followed our right. path um but still and those three tech are literally crazy uh like war sun x89 yeah. or uh assault cannon stuff like that stuff you're just not gonna be able to get but um with quantum data hub nob i feel like maybe i took it down a notch which uh i'm glad i did because it's it is a very very sexy tech. You read that text and you're just like, this is Crazy. the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, but w- if you're facing a dif- difficult meta, it it's not a, the slam dunk that it appears to right. be. Basically, I, I agree with a few different people who basically said it is the tech that you only use once. Yes, you use it to but win, but it wins. But it wins you. Yeah. Don't like don't get it if that situation isn't going to come up, and I think we kind of reiterated that in the episode as well. But it is like a there are games where you're going to want it, and and hopefully our path sets you up close enough to where it is still an option. It's within reach, but you're not sacrificing anything to get it. But also, like it's not like Hakan is like a bad race. Right. So uh, they went plenty of games, I'm sure, without yes. Quantum Data Hub Nob at right. all. You right. know, it's not like it's it's not fixing a hole for them it's not like that's why it's not i i would say conservative like it mm-hmm. didn't really like make the cut because it isn't like it isn't that if hakan could just get quantum data hub node then that'll yeah, fix all right, their problems right. no, it's, it's, it's a very it's, often it's a I, I can't even call it a win more but it is a ooh things went so south for you or you're like right there in the in the race and that's gonna win it for you and that's a huge deal but that doesn't mean it is a core part of your strategy every single game. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Let's uh, let's get out of here. Next week, we're going to do a cool little finale of all of this. Um, and I can't wait to do it. Uh, but let's let's do the rundown. What do you say? Uh, yeah, I say... Well, that's fine. I say Hunter I will approves. allow a okay. rundown. Uh, yeah. At Space Cats Pod. Ch- ch- check the, chalk the tweeter, chalk the tweeter. <laughs> for Goom updates and announcements. <laughs> We have a Facebook oh, uh, for announcements and I'm always I'm always slightly okay with this bit, Hunter. Except for when you do this, you make it also go so slowly. On the Reddit, <laughs> we have uh, Twilight Imperium, and you we po- we post there on the discussions. And if you want to have your face featured on the Wanted Dead or Alive poster, that is this show you done put your two cents down on the table <laughs> in the digital world your ebay board you put your ebay on board gom guild and have a calendar there and it's always wrong. messed up email us send the post via the post send your donkey mail this imperium life mail Play of the walk mail, 
send it to us a boss of cats piece of turtles you know how i know uh nobody listens to this part of the podcast yeah this is like our time this is our time to really just do our own thing because i get i get messages every single week that is hey where am i supposed to send uh this imperium lifes and i feel like it's a pretty obvious email address but i still get asked every single week where people are supposed to send these so i don't know hunter like do you want to just even keep doing this rundown or is this just like do we get to do our own thing in here Shut up. Uh, <laughs> shut up. We have a Patreon, uh, and you can contribute to it and help make the podcast better. We're also going to Gen Con, where we are going to rock like rock stars. Uh, we are going to smoke drinks and snort Cokes. Snort Coke Zero. Yeah, we're going to snort Coke Zero because that's, the, that's what we like. Uh, you can join our Discord for fun, in quotes, uh, conversation and Patreon benefits. Uh, one of those benefits is being able to blow up our phones whenever you want. Uh, that's that's a huge benefit right there. I woke up. Oh my god! Yeah. I I need to really disable my Discord notifications because last night. Um, I, and I I don't even I don't want to call out who did it. It doesn't matter. It was just somebody on the other side of the world. They were going into the looking for game channel. Yeah. And they put at here, is anybody up for a game? And it was two o'clock in the morning in my <laughs> life. And my phone was right by my ear for some reason and it buzzed. And then I looked over at it and I was like, why? Why, why is did this, I need to know why did, that someone in Germany? Why did is I not do this? Like, what yeah, there's done? someone there's someone in Sweden being like, Anybody wanna play? And it's like, I can't. I'm in the dream world. <laughs> um you can rate us on your podcast app of choice, but please, especially uh, on the Apple Podcast slash iTunes thingy that everybody likes. Tim Cook, he looks at that and he <laughs> wants he wants to see us do well. And we've been talking, me and Tim. Um, I am Hunter Donaldson, and you heard a little bit of me this episode. I am also a comedian, stand up comedian. I go by the same name, Hunter Donaldson. Um, and I want to throw some dates at you that I've been throwing out uh, for the three or four people still here. Um, if you live in Portland, Oregon, on Tuesday, June 26th, at the at uh, the Helium Comedy Club, I will be competing in Portland's Funniest Person Contest that they do every summer. Uh, my show starts at 10 o'clock. Uh, I would love it if you come. The tickets are $10 at the door. If you call in advance and you drop my name, they will give them to you for $5. Uh, this is an audience vote comedy competition so it's very important to me and it's a really big deal uh if you could come by and show up watch the show and vote on me if you if you liked what i what i did i i'm probably just gonna do a live episode of space cats peace turtles there for about five minutes it really works uh, in the general portland community it They're works oh well. my god they 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 are just like tell us about the hakan um <laughs> And then on Saturday, June 30th at 8 p.m., uh, I will be doing another backyard comedy show. The last one was a huge success. Yeah. Uh, we had about 80 people packed into a backyard. Uh, some Space Cats fans came, which was really awesome. And the show is called Comedy Party House Show Comedy, and it is at 6346 North Maryland Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Starts at 8 p.m. Um, there will be drinks. There will be foods. 
Um, and let's do those Patreon thanks. Who, 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 yeah, who, who, who this who week I want to thank new contributor uh, Wagnius. Thanks for joining the team. Uh, and I Wagnius also want to thank the Doggus. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> One more time. Uh, also, Wagnius the Doggus. Let's thank Fantastic Mr. Fowley Flan and Representative No Big Deal Man. Yeah. All right. Can I do the play of the week? No, I want to do it. You did the whole rundown. It's my turn. Okay. No, you can do it. I did the whole episode, I guess, huh? You did do the whole episode. Yeah, I just talk a uh, lot. <laughs> this play of the week is from Evernoob. Uh, love, Evernoob is a frequent contributor to the show in a, a variety of ways. Um, love you, Evernoob. I actually love how this starts. I wish people started their plays of the weeks more often like this, yeah. but <laughs> it was a nice late spring day when me and my friends took the whole day play some twilight imperium the first game i didn't do very well but as it was over in about four hours we had plenty of time for a second game and that second game in the third round my neighbor the sardak nor offered me a deal concerning the control of an equidistant system which i agreed upon after a payment of some trade goods and his racial promissory note as my very next action i activated the sardak's home system play a flank speed and invade his home system using that promissory note against him which is super great um i then blankly state the sorrel send their regards i should note i was not playing as the sorrel the sorrel was the race i was playing in the previous game in which the same player had actually betrayed me and took my home system now it was his turn to suffer a set- setback he would never quite recover from grudges that carry between games are most certainly a thing. This is such an interesting one because I think most people would hear this and be like, oh my gosh, how how dishonorable of you to bring something over from another game. But when that game is in the exact same day, I do kind of feel like, you know what? Anything goes. Uh, <laughs> those two games wish- are in a way linked. I want to start, when we do stream games, I want to start making reference to past stream games where it's like, right. you have, you'd have to watch all the streams in order to really understand <laughs> yeah. all the continuity watch of what's happening. Watch the last season of Space Cats, Peace Turtles. Uh, yeah, cool story. I, I, I like little, like, little cute ones like this. Uh, and he doesn't even, we don't even know how the game ended, you know? This is just this like is one, one moment. I love it. Um, Hunter, do you want to, do you want to talk about, not you having to talk about it, but, um, we don't have a date for it yet, but we're going to do another stream game soon, um, and it's going to be a bit of a celebration of finishing these first-round strategy guides. Yeah. Do you, you want to talk about what that game will kind of consist of? What we're going to do, uh, and are we going to let the audience choose our races this time? I don't or know. are we going to just do have, do it? We have five races like that have not been picked yet, but I don't I don't know. Maybe, well, I guess let's put it on the ether and kind of see what people want. I would like to see all the races picked uh, in a very, like, I want to play this role kind of... Well, Ooh, let me explain yes. what the stream is going to be first. So um, we're going to do a stream where we play our races to uh, in, in a role-play sense, where we are trying to go for as much drama as possible. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be goofy. We're not going to dress up, although maybe somebody will. I mean, maybe I will. So maybe we will dress up. Um, <laughs> regardless, the point is we have been playing this game really heavy strategy since we started this podcast and we didn't always play super strategy focused and also twilight imperium is not a game that is just simply a strategy game right there is a lot of theme to it remember we we are 
we are what is it called ameritrash people yes. that's what we are yeah. we, we and where we, you know whether you're swedish or german or whatever we, this is an ameritrash type of tradition um of heavy theme and strategy so we're gonna play a game where we emphasize the theme yeah. and my my goal is i would like to sit down and play a game of twilight imperium and try and play into the theme of my race to to such an extent that I do not know who is going to win this game at any point because I'm not going to let the victory points tell me what to do. Right. I'm still going to score victory points. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm going to only score victory points that are consistent with the theme of my faction. Right. And so some people you, probably hate this idea, but I uh, really love it. Yeah. I like the way you described it one time of ignoring the actual objective and instead reading the objective name and deciding right. whether or not that is something your faction would do. Right, right. So the the command counter victory point is called galvanize the people. If I am not playing uh, like what I would call kind of evil, like aggressive race, right. if, if I'm playing the Hakan and I get galvanize the people, I'd be like, the Hakan do not galvanize our own people. We are not going to, whatever. What does galvanize mean? <laughs> <laughs> I just realized as I was saying that, I was like, what is that word? To shock Look or excite up. someone typically into taking action. Yeah, so... Also, uh, sorry, also, a coat of iron or steel with a protective layer of zinc. So, uh, to galvanize is to, like... I guess the idea is that you're urging everyone to into action. And that's not that doesn't sound like the Hakan at all, although for very different reasons, because I thought Galvanize was a little more negative than that. But like if I'm playing Soul and we get Galvanize the people, I'ma do it. Yeah. I'ma galvanize those people. Right. Um I just I want to look at the all the flavor text and prioritize that. Yes. Basically. Yeah. Just imagine with every single thing that happens in the game, the flavor text and the title of all the cards takes precedent. has to yeah it takes precedent and has to thematically make sense. So essentially, it will be a no boasting about your victory type game. Yeah. Because you're gonna have to thematically justify why you're the one that won the game of Twilight Imperium. Yeah. Basically. So I can't wait for that. Get we we don't have a date yet. We we gotta like get schedule set in stone or whatever but look forward to that because it is something we've been talking about doing for a while and now that we finished all the really heavy strategy we want to get goofy again so and i i think it will be probably of all the streams we've done thus far probably the most fun to watch yes because we'll be consistently playing things up and not as focused on trying to play the best game yes of of twilight imperium that we can i'm just really excited to sit down and play a very very casual game right you know a yeah. very very just fun whatever type thing yeah. no no pressure to like perfect a strategy and, and the th i kind of would like you know the more i think about it i kind of would like the audience to tell us exactly what races we're playing because since it's going to be a role play thing i almost want the audience to be able to elect like who's going to be the bad guy basically right and for give, them us to a, pick. give us some extra theme these factions right. are a certain way but the theme of twilight imperium is that they are all vying for the throne so maybe right. we need some extra flavor we, we need you guys to tell us what kind of barony of letnev are we going to be or, or right whatever. right yeah and i th i think uh i i think we should also like if if there are too many aggressive races 
I think we should not do that. I think there should be like some mm-hmm. good guys, some Definitely. some not some kind of in between, and then like a couple like Necro and L one, like those type of races that are just like though these are the bad guys, right? right. And then yeah. they can actually play like they're the bad guys. Yeah. So know? so definitely uh, in Board Game Geek or on the subreddit or in our Discord, start throwing ideas around. Let's come up with like how we can kind of make the the most fun, crazy role play stream we can do, and we'll we'll have a date set in that before too long. Think about it this way: if um, if you could take six uh, factions. Uh, from Twilight Imperium, and you were going to make a movie right. about Twilight Imperium, what six factions would you be like, okay, we got it. These are going to be the principal players in like the plot of a movie about Twilight Imperium. Yeah. Yeah. Give us that. I'm, I'm really excited about that stream. That's going to be fun. Me too. All right. Let's wrap it up then. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Adi, uh, you know, uh, weird. This, it was weird not being in the same room as you. Yeah. Um, I, you know, itched myself whenever i wanted there was a uh i don't know if the spider part made it into the episode but i did have to kill a spider um it was huge i had to shoot it um I, yeah hopefully you didn't include it but uh yeah and if you didn't um it was uh it, you know i had to i had to kill it really kill it i just choke it out have you ever tried to choke a spider not much of a neck there and they have that exoskeleton do they yeah. have an exoskeleton? I don't no, know. they don't. That's, That's crazy. Okay. That doesn't make sense. No chitin on a on a spider. <laughs> they're just they're just hairy. They're just little hairy, hairy little hairy boys. <laughs> Why is there no spider Twilight Imperium Man, faction? Yeah, what the heck? I want more more just interesting. I wanna I, I have an idea for a faction. I won't tell you any of the abilities of that faction, dear listener, but uh, we do have a goat person faction that I really wish we could get off the ground. Yeah, uh, goat people, spider people. What else do we need? What do we need a faction of? Uh, I've got a gnome faction I've been working on yeah. that I am really excited yeah. about. Fun gnomes. Uh, I like gnomes. Gnomes are really uh, silly. Uh, I have one really... that is if King Arthur's court traveled through time and space to enter themselves into the Twilight Imperium universe. That one is so goofy. Like I really <laughs> like the ideas. Uh, it's uh, what sucks about that one is that. Uh, the theme is so goofy that it's not consistent it with work. Twilight Imperium, but the the actual faction abilities that is, are really cool. What are we doing? I don't know. We gotta go. Gotta, to we gotta stop. get out of here. Yeah, I have to we leave have right to now. Yeah, we just teased our Space Cats uh, expansion, yeah. and then uh, we'll go. Ha <laughs> ha ha! I bet you're thirsty now. I bet you're glad you listened to the rundown, aren't you? <laughs> aren't you? Aren't you happy? Aren't you happy? <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. And thank you to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica. Bellum Gloriosum. All right. Hey, uh, sorry. Yep. There's a spider in my room and I want to <laughs> kill it because Go it ahead. is all I can look at. It's this <laughs> stupid spider. Oh my god, it's like it heard me say that, and now... <laughs> Alright, because it's like... <laughs> it's like moving so much faster now. Alright, give Jake, me a gotta second. gotta go! <laughs> he knows about me! Oh, he's on the wall now. Alright, I'm taking my headphones off. Okay. Alright, Spider. You're not gonna ruin this episode, you dingus. Take that! Oh. You got him? You killed him? Hunter murdered. Oh, God. Yeah. 
He's a murderer. Yeah, so killed it. There's even a little bit of spider blood on my wall now. Get your flagship run in. Head out for some doomsday. Looking for adventure. And teaching the yin way. Yeah, Darian, go make it happen. Take all worlds in a love embrace. Fire all of your destroyers at once and make them explode them in space. I like smoking spinning. Heavy metal thunder. Racing with the yin. And indoctrination plunder. Yeah, Darian, go make it happen. Take all worlds in a love embrace. Fire all of your destroyers at once and make him slow them in space. Like a true monosagotic child. We were cloned, cloned to be wild. We can tube so high. We never gonna die. Clone to be wild. Clone to be wild. Clone to be wild.